Well, the last one is going to be a hard act to follow. <laughs> and I'm only here because it was here or the Eastern Front. <laughs> I did threaten Patrick a little bit about getting here on time and he told me it was like the instructions from the Eastern Front. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not. Anyway. Patrick actually started working at Darwin City Council in 1976 as the city inspector. So what was it like arriving at council after the impact of Cyclone Tracy? I want you to be our eyes and ears and take us back there. It was an eye-opener. It was an enlightenment to see local government in action. <laughs> <laughs> So council essentially, you're saying, was in a state of flux. Um, you're saying that council was essentially in a state of flux. Yes, they, um, they had recovered from Cyclone Tracy and uh, they were in the throes of rebuilding Darwin. It was a new Darwin that we were facing and uh, the council was very much part of that. So they were undergoing um, reformation, basically. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Along with, along with the city, uh, as the city rebuilding progressed, um, things on the um, industrial front changed. We had a big bun fight with the uh, council in uh, 1978 and one of the outcomes of that was a better deal for the librarians. I don't know if any of you use our libraries. Yes. Well, that was the turning point. So, um, the focus in Darwin was that the city was re-establishing itself. Um, new buildings were popping up. Uh, all the mess had largely been cleaned up, there, but there were still teams here at the time. Yes. How do you think council was seen in the eyes of the general public, given that they were in a state of flux of having to introduce new laws and, I suppose, bring a bit of order back to, to Darwin? Well, I think they were sometimes held in ridicule I don't think they were appreciated, but we had some very fine uh, officers in council. Uh, a fellow called Tom Abbott was town clerk of the day, and uh, men like him really set the pace for the rest of the staff. There was so much to do because Darwin has a history of being an outpost, and the off-term expression was used, the place where child and wife starvers would hide out because it was an isolated uh, place. It was hard to get to. That's right, so it's where the wild things ran. And it, was, it was a, had a reputation because uh, you had all these people from, strange people from south. You had the military, I think they were here for 15 months or something and public servants were here for two years and uh, it was a very transient population. So obviously a lot has changed significantly um, since those days and I suppose the um, ridicule perhaps that was shown towards council was maybe a reflection of the rebellion and refusal to conform and start you know, playing by the rules. I believe so, yes. Yeah. People don't want to be governed. <laughs> don't want to be over-governed, sorry. <laughs> So your role as city inspector, which is now actually part of regulatory services, oversaw parking, dog registrations and sanitation and illegal camping, amongst many other things. So let's dive into this a bit deeper because I know you've got a few clangers. So we'll start with parking. 
tell us about the introduction of parking bays for people with disabilities. Yes, I think there were $5 fines imposed, in the, $5, yeah, $5 parking infringement notices if you offended. And uh, it was a bit of a every man for himself. But there was a dear old lady from, I think her name was Mackenzie, from out of Howard Springs, and she would come to town in her little mini moke and have difficulty in negotiating the various places she would go to. And she wanted disabled parking bays. And uh, the council listened to her and eventually said, yeah, right, I will do that. And uh, it seemed, seemed like a simple thing to do, but first we had to get the right signs. <laughs> and then we had to paint them on the roads, but that didn't work and we put signs up and eventually they started to take shape. But people didn't really want to acknowledge these special bays and they were badly abused. So um, time went by and uh, if you go and park in a disabled bay now, you'll get a ticket. You'll know about if, it. If you're not disabled. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was a task and... Um, one that we eventually conquered and uh, I am pleased to say that now, after all that work and all that effort those years ago, I park in a disabled bay. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I'm disabled, but... Uh, <laughs> or you have a dodgy sciatica. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's all right. <laughs> I don't know, actually, don't say... Don't tell council I said that if that's no, the reason no, for no, getting no, a fine. No. There's Patrick pays all his fines, by the way, so... There's a fellow here from council, watch out. <laughs> now, um, on the topic of issuing fines, how did the issuing of parking tickets go down? You mentioned that they were $5 fines. Yes. Were yeah. they effective or...? No, they were not effective. <laughs> and, uh, they were rather treated with contempt. And uh, one, day, one day, one of the richest men in Darwin turned up at the counter and he argued, I reckon, for half an hour about a $5 parking ticket. <laughs> Uh, I think you paid it in the finish, but uh, it was ridiculous. And I believe one car amassed 28 parking fines. Mm, yeah, one that was probably one of the worst. And we found that that car was uh, supposed to belong to a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he wasn't a very bright policeman because <laughs> when the inspector put the final ticket on the car, a few minutes later the fellow pulled up alongside him and said, you won't make this one stick either. <laughs> but the inspectors knew, apparently knew this fellow and they said, right, that's him. And uh, the summonses were issued. Now I want to move on to sanitation um, and illegal camping. I've always regarded Darwin as a pretty clean city, but it wasn't always that way. No. I think we've got a lot to thank uh, Keep Australia Beautiful Council for and Marilyn Hannigan or Marilyn Paspali. Uh, Marilyn was in charge of this Keep Australia Beautiful Council. We had a lot to do with her. And um, it was a great impetus put into tidying up Darwin. It was an untidy place. Uh, rubbish didn't matter. You'd find a carcass here and a carcass there. No, no, it could be a goat or a sheep or a dog or a cat. It didn't matter. Uh, litter. Litter was an ungodly mess. Uh, people would just chuck everything on the footpath. So Patrick actually helped introduce the Litter Act. Um, <coughs> and I just want to know, was there 
garbage collection in operation or did everyone... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it. In the early days of garbage, they used to have these big trucks and they'd run around in the early hours of the morning with two chasers and they'd grab these bins. Everybody had two bins and they'd grab these bins and throw them into the truck. Sometimes they went into the truck. <laughs> Sometimes they didn't. And then... For some reason or other, you'd find half the street strewn with empty or half-empty garbage bins. Um, there was a wild boar that oh. lived down in the uh, mangroves in Stewart Park. And he used to go around the town and he'd knock over all these bins. God, he made a mess. <laughs> so we had a wild boar in Stewart Park that acquired a taste for household rubbish once he knocked over the bins, um, who would run riot down the streets. And you had a confrontation with the boar, didn't you, Patrick? Yes, I did. <laughs> One morning, about three o'clock, there was a terrible commotion downstairs. So I did what anybody else would do. I jumped out of bed and went to have a look. Wait, did you have clothes on? No. <laughs> Excellent. No, I didn't have any clothes on. And I, and I left all my guns upstairs. <laughs> And here's my dog rounded up this bloody great big boar. <laughs> anyway. anyway, I'm still here. So we know who um, came out on top, obviously, Patrick and not the boar. I assume inspectors kind of struggled because given you had to enforce rules and penalise people in a small town... I'm sure you weren't always necessarily well liked. So how did you how did you overcome that personally? Mm. There was a job to do. You did it, and I don't think being liked was part of it. Um, uh, with my background, um, you you were uh, in a position where you had to do things that upset people, and uh, you did some good things. You did some bad things. So um, the satisfaction was to see some progress being made, some events. And I think if you look around now and now, there has been a lot of change, a lot of that. I'm not saying it's all for the good, but um, Darwin is, a, I think, a, a much cleaner, a much tidier, much more orderly town now, except for the uh, night, nightclub avenues, uh, venues. Now, the management of a man's best friend fell under your remit. So this mainly meant um, rounding up dogs that would have been wandering the streets. Yes, and we had a lot of problems with the people who loved their dogs. <laughs> Two or three or four dogs. In one yard? Oh, yeah. Some, some yards had more. Uh, one had, I think, there were, uh, five blue healers and another had three Alsatians and another one had... Uh, Seven Dobermans. <laughs> and somebody else had all those funny little greyhounds, seven or nine of those. And there was one lady had nine Cocker Spaniels. <laughs> beautifully accommodated in the third bedroom. <laughs> and uh, they were all dog lovers. So Patrick obviously had a... Uh busy time. Certain streets, though, were off limits to your inspections, weren't they? At the time, we, we, we did have trouble with some citizens and uh, some, some took the dog business rather well, some didn't. One of our magistrates had a, a great big 
not as big as the Dane, but near, near enough. He was a big dog. And he used to get out quite frequently. And this dog would uh, finish up in the pound. I don't know how many times he went in the pound. And the magistrate always went and got his dog and paid his fine. <laughs> anyway, we got sick of that. So one day they found his dog wandering around and they brought it into the city chambers here, put him on the air-conditioned floor and put a hat on his head and took his photograph. <laughs> and went around to the courthouse and said to the magistrate, you better come and pick up your dog. <laughs> so he did. But never a word out of the magistrate. He was a very fine fellow and uh, that's how things work sometimes. Now, life as a dog catcher in Darwin was risky business, particularly for one man called Eddie. Yes, poor old Eddie. He, he was a brilliant operator. And uh, he was in Ludmilla one day. And uh, a big plant operator came along. I wasn't there, but I heard about it later. And they, he um, grabbed Eddie and put him in the dog cage and closed the door. <laughs> so the dog catcher ended up in the dog cage. Uh, it wasn't funny. <laughs> well, we didn't think so. Anyway. It's funny upon reflection, now anyway, that Eddie's we, out. We complained and went to the police and said, look, assault, look, 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 look at this. Imagine what it would happen if it happened today. <laughs> the police weren't interested. <laughs> so we took the bloke to court and we charged him ourselves. But that sort of thing. You know, it, was a, it was a wild town. Now, lastly, I don't know if many of you can see him. For the people outside, Patrick's actually missing half his thumb on his left hand. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, so where did the other half end up? A couple of doctors chopped it off. <laughs> because? Because a Staffordshire bull terrier bit it. I can't believe why some people have dogs. That's that sort of a dog. I don't see a place for for fighting dogs in urban societies. Anyway, I was walking my Great Dane on the beach, and this bloody thing came 200 yards across the beach, and went for my dog, who was on a lead. Great Danes are funny animals. He put out a paw like that, and when the other dog went to grab the paw, the Dane had the whole dog in his mouth. And I was silly enough to free it, and that's when it bit my thumb off. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's, uh, it's part of dog. It's, it happens. I don't know if it still happens. Dogs are much better behaved in Darwin now, have you noticed? <laughs> that's because of all your hard work. Oh, well. I, <laughs> and your team's hard work. It wasn't work. a one-man job. There was a lot of, lot of people involved. Thank you, Patrick, for taking us back to 1977 to 1987. It's been very enlightening. <laughs>